Well, good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, see what he has for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. Lord, pray that you would just uh, be with us this evening. Pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Pray that you will have your way and your will done. Lord, pray that, uh, Lord, that uh, you would speak to our hearts as only you can, Lord. And we'll just give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. And Lord, if there's one here that isn't saved, may to, today be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, grab a hymnal, turn to page 339, Heaven Came Down. Are you washed in the blood?
538, 538. appreciate you being here. Uh, we'll, of course, give you some uh, prayer requests at the end of our service, but wanted to let you know Brother Kirk's surgery went well today, and so we praise the Lord for that. And then also, Miss Jamie had, uh, I believe it was foot surgery, uh, uh, Christmas, and uh, her surgery went well today, uh, so we praise the Lord as that and that as well. And so I do appreciate you being here tonight, appreciate your prayers and uh, we're going to continue our study in the book of John. Uh, we left off a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, looking at uh, some different things, uh, New Year's resolutions and such. And we're going to pick up in John chapter 15 tonight. Uh, John chapter number 15. This is a wonderful, wonderful chapter uh, in the Word of God. I'm talking about Jesus, the true vine. He's the true vine. This is how John uh, portrays, how he pictures Christ as the true vine. 
And uh, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. And uh, we'll see in chapter 15 uh, that. But in the last verse of chapter number 14, you'll notice the Bible says this in verse 31. It says, But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, so do, so I do. Arise, let us go hence. And uh, so we see here uh, that Jesus is pictured as the uh, the true vine, and and uh, during this chapter fourteen and during chapter fifteen, the Bible tells us uh, that Jesus and his disciples are about to leave the upper room here. Uh, at the last verse there in 14, he's getting ready to leave the upper room, and and they're heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, where you'll notice that Jesus will pray his great highly priest, uh, 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 priestly prayer there and will later uh, be arrested by the mob led by Judas Iscariot, of course. Apparently, Jesus speaks these words, which make up chapter 15 and chapter 16, on their route to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, in chapter 15, Jesus will see that he's pictured as the true vine. Uh, and during... Uh, as we read this, this, uh, this chapter here, you'll notice that uh, during this time of the year, apparently around April time or uh, there, during this time of the year, the grapes vines would be beginning to bloom or blossom, if you would, and uh, in the promise of the fresh harvest. And as Jesus walked with his disciples, perhaps he reached down into the, uh, and took the, uh, a vine and, in his hand and he used it to teach an object lesson to his disciples. Of course, uh, Christ was about teaching his disciples and telling them about things to come. Uh, many parables he used in his word. Uh, but maybe he's taken this opportunity to uh, teach his men uh, about this object lesson here. His desire is to teach them about the most vital relationship that they have in, in their lives, and that is the one with the Lord Jesus and the Father. And uh, we may ask ourselves, why did Jesus give them this teaching now? Well, the answer is simple. They needed it. God always gives us what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. He's always on time. The Bible says that he came in the fullness of time. That means in the right, the exact moment when he needed to be there, he was there. And these men have been just informed that Jesus is going away, but uh, that his work is going to continue. And that is, it's going to continue through them in their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. He promised them there in chapter 14. And if they were to carry out the work of the Lord, then they needed to know how to produce the right kind of fruit, the right kind of love, the right kind of things in their lives. And see, we are over 2,000 years removed from that night, but the work of the Lord is still going on. And God is still working through His followers to accomplish His work and His will in the world today. Many of us may sit here and wonder, how are we supposed to do the work of the Lord and how can we produce that kind of fruit that He desires for us to have? Well, the answer is found, in our, uh, is found in these verses in chapter 15. Because this passage is all about being a genuine disciple and about how to bear fruit for the glory of the Lord, I want us to take just a few moments tonight and see this portrait of Christ, the true vine, and see how we can become more like Him. Let's read the first 11 verses here. The Bible says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me." I am the vine, you are the, the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. I am, I am, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. 
As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you love, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, to worship and to praise you. Lord, I pray, I just pray tonight, Lord, that you'll take this simple lesson, apply it to our hearts and our lives, that we may draw closer to you. Lord, that we may have fruit that remain, that we may bear much fruit for your glory, not for ours, but Lord, that you would be glorified in it all. Lord, as we take this simple message tonight, Lord, I pray that we would all, uh, Lord, be fruit-bearing Christians. Lord, work in a great way for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to notice a few things, three thoughts tonight about the true vine. Number one, I want you to notice the personality of the true vine. Look there again in verse 1 through 3. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, I want you to notice just a couple things here. Notice, one, his, uh, uh, his authenticity. His authenticity. Jesus and Jesus alone possesses life within himself. The Bible says there in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one. All other vines, all other uh, are counterfeit. He's the genuine. Uh, he's the authenticity there. He alone is the true source of everlasting, abundant life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, there's, he didn't say there's many ways. He didn't say there's many lives. He said, I am. And so we need to notice that. Then I want you to notice his authority. That word husbandman there, it refers to the vine dresser. It means to the gardener, the one who has the responsibility of caring for the vineyard. Jesus uh, uh, it says that the Heavenly Father is the gardener. He's the one responsible. He's the one in authority. And the key verse here in, uh, is verse 2. Uh, key words here, phrases, is in me. He's noticed that. It says the key phrase, it says in me. Look there. It says every branch in me. Now, so this lets us know that we're dealing with genuine believers here. Um, Jesus isn't speaking to, about those who profess Christ and, and uh, have not possessed him. He is, he is not talking about the tares. He's talking about the wheat. The gardener is involved in everything that it has to do with the vine. This, this uh, verse zeroes in on three specific duties of the gardener in regard to the vine. Number one, notice his protection. His protection. That is, the gardener provides tender watch care and protection for the vineyard. That's the gardener's responsibility. He's the one that protects. He's the one that uh, is over that. Aren't you glad that the Lord sees it all? I mean, I praise the Lord for the sure knowledge that nothing passes by the Lord that, he, uh, that by happenstance, nothing just gets by him. He knows the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and evil. God sees everything. He knows what's around the corner. He knows what's around the bend. He knows what's going to happen next week. He knows what's going to happen 20 years from now. He knew he's always going to know. So he's noticed his protection, but also notice his purifying. The gardener uses two primary methods of purifying his vineyard. Number one, he challenges the branches. Look, notice there he says, taketh away. That word means to lift up or to rise higher. Or to raise higher. That is, the gardener will take the unfruitful branch and lift it from the dirt uh, into which it has fallen, uh, giving it a better chance to be productive. On a personal level, this means that when we get to a place in our Christian lives where we, are, we have become unfruitful and uh, barren, the Lord will have to reach down into our lives and disturbing our slumber, and He will lift us up into an effort to, uh, uh, to challenge us and shock us into growth. There are times when the Lord can only accomplish this through chastisement. Now, 
none of us love chastisement, but it comes to us. And it's for our good and for His glory. And uh, uh, there are times when the Lord can only use chastisement, which if we respond with repentance, will help, it will help us to uh, be fruitful for His glory. Um, if, however, we choose to go on into our sins, there is a sin unto death. And has the Lord, let me ask you, has the Lord been challenging you in areas of your life? If so, do not run from His challenge. Run directly towards Him. Run towards Him, not away from Him. After all, His chastisement is always proof of His love and our relationship with Him. So we know, see that uh, in purifying, He challenges the branches, but also He cleanses the branches. That is, the gardener removes the things that, uh, uh, that from the branch that zaps the vitality or the, uh, the strength, uh, the things that suck, like sucker branches and, and uh, useless buds and misdirected shoots and spots and discolored leaves and uh, other things and anything that uh, consumes life but produces no fruit must go away. So it is in the life of a believer. When we allow things in our lives to hinder our walk with the Lord, then, the, the, then we are in danger of some pruning. Pruning, by its very name, sounds painful. And it isn't always easy to cut the junk from out of our lives. But if we do not do it, the Lord surely will. Notice the advice given in Hebrews 12.1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we are also uh, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, lay, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How is this pruning accomplished? By the word of God. Notice there in verse 3 it says, And now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. The word of God is it's like a mirror. Have you ever noticed that? The Word of God is like a mirror. The Word of God reveals the problems that are in our lives. When you're reading God's Word, it seems like God will just reveal those things that aren't right. It may not, it may not have anything to do... I mean, that verse may, have not, it may not speak to anyone else the same way it speaks to you, because that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. But the Word of God, as you're reading it, it's like a mirror glancing right back at you. And, and those things that's in there, it's like it's, it, we're, we're seeing it face to face for what we really are. And God reveals those things. It's like a mirror. James 1, 23 and 24 tells us that. But then the Word of God, is it's like a knife. It's like a knife. The Word of God cuts to the heart. Hebrews 4, 12. The question is this. Has the Lord been speaking to you through His Word? See, if so, have you been heeding the call from the Lord? See, if not, then I challenge you to allow the Lord to prune your life with His Word. If that is not accomplished, then He will take further and, and far more uh, drastic measures. So we see the personality of the, the vine, but also I want you to notice the purpose. Look there in verses 2 through 8. It says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If, I, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. There in verse 2, there's a distinct, distinct purpose. A distinct purpose. The vine has but one purpose, and that is to produce fruit. See, the vine exists for that purpose alone. Without fruit, the vine and all of its efforts are wasted. 
The true vine has a singular purpose, and that is to bear fruit for the glory of God. That's his whole, I mean, God always refers, uh, Jesus always refers, uh, reflects glory back to the Lord, the God, God the Father. He always does that. He has a distinct purpose, but also there's also a distinguished purpose. The reason the vine desires to produce fruit uh, uh is so the vine dresser might receive the glory and the honor. Now, when a fruit is yielded in a vineyard, the vine, the branches, the soil, even the fruit, they don't receive the credit. It's the gardener. It's the gardener that receives the credit. All the glory passes through it. So it is with the Lord Jesus. Everything he did and does was to bring glory to his Father. This ought to be our burning desire as Christians. Whatever, whether you eat, sleep, or drink, whatsoever you do, you do it as unto the Lord and not as unto men. You know, that should be our every waking moment that we have is to bring glory to the Father in heaven. See, there's something, there's something wrong in, any, in a person's life when there is no desire to bring glory to God. You see, the God who loves us sustains us and cares for us we ought to want to and have a desire to bring glory let me ask you if you're not desiring that today there's something wrong in your walk and your fruit life for the lord but then there's a delegated purpose notice this this truth the vine itself does not bear fruit its fruit are the branches and the branches have the obligation of bearing uh, have the obligation of bearing the fruit. The vine supplies its life to the branches and they, and they take the life and use it to bear fruit. Now notice the qualifications for bearing fruit. Verse 2, the branch must be attached to the vine. If we're going to, if we're going to bear fruit, we must be attached to the vine. If you and I are not attached to the vine, there are no, there's no way for you or I to share in the vine's life. This is all about a, uh, a vital union between the believer and the Lord Jesus Christ. You, notice that the Bible says, without me, you are nothing. You, cannot, you can't do anything. You, you, you're nothing without me. Then also the branch must abide not only be attached to the vine, but it must abide in the vine. That is, we must maintain a close fellowship with the vine if he is to live through us to produce his fruit in our lives. This is only accomplished by abiding in him. We must abide in him. How does one abide in the Lord? By prayer, by studying the word of God, by denying self, by drawing nigh unto God, by obe being obedient unto God. The closer, and you'll notice this, the closer the vine, uh, we are to the vine, the more his life can flow through us and produce that fruit that he desires in our lives. Is there any wonder that so many Christians today live a fruitless and barren Christian life? See, how would you desire your life to be? Are you bearing much fruit for the Lord? If not, you know what? It's not the vine's fault. It's our fault. See, the branch, then I want you to notice, look there in verse 5, the branch must be available to the vine. Must be available. May I remind you that the fruit bearing is a passive activity on the part of the branch. If the branch will simply abide in the vine then the vine will most certainly produce its fruit. If we'll abide, we'll be attached and we'll abide, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. I don't know about you, but I find that truth liberating to me. Knowing that if I only abide and I attach myself, there will be fruit. It's the vine's responsibility to produce his fruit in my life. That frees us from having to work and labor to get his approval. If we will yield to what he tells us, be totally submitted, I'm talking about a submissive life. I'm talking about relinquishing everything that we think is ours and our responsibilities and saying, Lord, I'm yours. I am thine, O Lord. Use me however you see fit. That means, 
Hey, we like to say, oh yeah, I'm totally submitted to God. I'm totally under His submission. I'm totally under His will. But let a tragedy happen to us. Let something uh, devastating happen into our lives. And then we question God. No, when we are trusting God and we are totally submitted to God, it doesn't matter what happens in our lives. That's submission. Saying, okay, Lord, you know what's going on. I don't understand it. I don't see the end goal. I don't see the end result. I don't see what's around the corner. But you do. You know what's best. You know how to best use me. That is total submission. That is saying, God, I I just trust you in all things. See, when we speak of fruit, what do we mean? What will be produced in our lives when we yield to the Lord? How will we know if fruit is being produced through us? There are three basic fruits the Lord bears in the lives of His children. Number one is sanctification. That is, we become more like Him. We become more like Him. You want to see uh, a, a sanctification is a sign of fruit bearing in our lives. But also spirituality. That is, we behave more like Christ. It's, it's, it's becoming more like Him, but it's also we behave more like Him. But then the third S is souls. That is, we are burdened like Him. We have a burden to see more people saved. We have a burden. What was his burden? To see souls saved. See the quality. Then I want you to know so the qualifications of bearing fruit. But then notice the quality of bearing fruit. That is not the branch's responsibility. When we are abiding in the vine and he is reproducing his life in us, we can rest assured that fruit is being produced in our lives. And it's going to honor the Lord. Again, this is a liberating truth, knowing that uh, the quality of fruit is not in our responsibility, but it's the Lord's responsibility. But then the quantity of fruit. Again, this is not the responsibility of the branch. Some will produce much fruit. Some will produce little, which depends upon the will of the vine. Our duty is to repeat our duty is, uh, uh, again, I repeat, to, is just to abide in the vine, to be attached to the vine, to be available to the, blind, the vine. However, it's clear from these verses that God anticipates a steady progressive uh, progression in the level of our fruitfulness. Notice this verse 2 again. It says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Then look at verse 8. It says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Notice here it says no fruit. Notice the progression. Then it says fruit. Then it says more fruit. And then much fruit. The progression there, there, God's wanting us to, there's progressive sanctification, there's progressive uh, spirituality, living, getting, getting closer to the Lord. And then I want you to notice verse 6 here. Look there in verse 6. It says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This is the quagmire of fruitlessness. Not every branch abides in the vine as it should. It is still attached, but it has ceased to draw life from the life-giving flow of the vine. As a result, it is is fruitless and it's withered up. When this happens, there will be three results that happen. Number one, there's a loss of fellowship. We've all seen it. uh, Loss of fellowship, whether it be uh, in your Bible reading whether it be your time alone in prayer, whether it be at church time, whether, whatever, it's, there's a loss of fellowship. Uh, this means to be cast out, not abiding. Now, notice you cannot, if you abide in Christ, you cannot, if you've been saved, you cannot lose your relationship. That, that's been settled. But the withered branch still possesses the same nature as the vine. 
but it is no longer attached in a sense of the life-drawing fellowship. But then uh, um, there's a loss, so there's a loss of fellowship, but then also there's a loss of vitality. The word is withered there. It means it possesses no life. It's, it's dead and old dried up. This describes too many Christians today. It didn't used to be that way, but now there's a deadness where there used to be life. There's weakness where there used to be power. There's emptiness where there used to be fullness. My counsel for you is to come back and renew that long fellowship with the Lord. Once again, start drawing from that life-giving juice from from the vine and begin uh, to produce fruit again for the Lord. So we see a loss of fellowship, a loss of vitality, but then a loss finally, a loss of reward. When this life is over, there will be many who name the name of Jesus and were unfruitful. They, they will experience the loss of every reward. 1 Corinthians 3, 13-15 Many think they will be content, just content with just getting to heaven. May I tell you folks... I'm thankful that I, I'm going to heaven, but I want to I cast my crowns at the Savior's feet. He's worthy of all glory and honor and praise. I, I want to do everything I can to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be a part of, uh, of the ones that, that says, hey, well done. But that's only going to happen if you're a fruitful branch. But then I want you to notice the final Notice his promise. Look there in verse 7 through 11. It says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Many people like to claim this verse and say, I can ask whatever I want, and God's going to give it to me. I can pray for whatever I want, and God's going to give it to me. That's not what he's saying here. Notice again here, he says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. What that's meaning is saying, my will is going to align up with God's will. I'm no longer going to want what I want, but I'm going to want what He wants in my life. So I'm okay with whatever He gives me. That's what He's saying here. You ask what you will. What you're going to ask, you're not going to ask for things that isn't for God's will. You're going to ask for things that are according to God's will. Those, uh, let's read on, it says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now I want you to notice that those who abide in the true vine can rest assured of certain precious and sure promises. Number one, an unhindered prayer life. An unhindered prayer life. Why? When we are abiding as we should be, and when we are drawing our life from Him, then His will will be our will. That is, every time we pray and everything we pray for will fit perfectly with His will and He will grant our request. Not on selfish desires, but on His will. But then, not only uh, unhindered prayer life, but also, look there in verse 9, an unending love. Unending love. Look again, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Jesus loves all men always. But those who are abiding in Him have entered into a special, ever-deepening uh, uh, fellowship with the Lord. This is the promise of the vine to, the, to, to be with the branches. But then, notice there in verse 11, there's an uncommon joy. Uncommon joy. Joy is not, now understand this, joy is not happiness. We get it mixed up. Joy is not happiness. Because happiness depends upon happenings. 
but it is a deep, settled inner pleasure that we have. It is the deep, settled assurance and confidence in our relationship with the Father and with His, uh, with His Son, Jesus Christ, that fills our heart with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that ignites a heart to serve God. Note these truths about joy. Number one, joy is, a divine, is divine in its nature. It originated with God, and it only is given by God. It is absolutely unaffected by earthly and material things. When you have joy in your heart, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You've got that. Nothing can change that. Joy is not uh, dependent upon happiness. God's joy abides at all times, even the most difficult times. You may be upset and crying over happenings, but you can still have joy in your heart. Joy is a byproduct of faith. When one is assured of one's standing in Christ, joy is a result. I have joy in my heart because I know that I know that I know that I'm saved, that Jesus has redeemed me. Now, are are there going to be days I'm saddened? Sure there are. But there's still joy in my heart. Joy is in the, uh, in the Lord produces faithfulness to the Lord. His joy is our strength and that which gives us courage for the battle. In conclusion, Jesus is the true vine. His desire is to live through your life so that you might bear much fruit for, the hev- for our Heavenly Father. As we close, there are a couple of questions that need to be asked right now. Number one, are you in the vine? Are you abiding in the vine? Have you ever been saved? Have you been crafted into Jesus? Then number two, not only are you in the vine, but number two, are you abiding in the vine? Are you drawing your strength from him so that he is able to produce fruit in your life? And then the final question is this, are you bearing fruit today? If not, why not? See, where do you stand with Jesus today? If God has revealed any area in your life where you're not yielded to him, you're not submissive to him, you're not bearing fruit for him, I challenge you to come and get that taken care of tonight. If you've never been saved, I challenge you to come and get settled. that settled before it's eternally too late. If there's a need, you need to come. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight. Jesus Christ is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. Are you abiding in him? Are you attached to him tonight? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm just going to have a word of prayer. And then Liz is going to begin to play. I'm just going to ask you to be obedient to the Lord tonight. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for this truth found in your word about you being the true vine, Lord. And without you, we can and are nothing. We are nothing without you. Lord, we can't bear fruit without you. Lord, we we can't accomplish anything without you. Tonight, I realize I need you more than ever. Lord, and that, is, that means I need to abide in you. I need to draw nigh to you. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that we will, uh, Lord, search our hearts, see if there's any way that uh, areas in our life that isn't totally submissive and totally submitted to you tonight. Have thy way, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's going to begin playing softly. God has spoke to your heart. The altar is always open.
you're in an attitude of prayer. Just wanted to remind you of a few things. We'll close in a word of prayer. I want to remind you of Brother Kirk. Remember him and your prayers uh, as he's recovering. Uh, just remember also just, um, I don't know if you remember or not, but um, he has at this point has lost his job. They're thinking that he uh, should be able to go back to it when he recovers. Uh, but uh, just pray for uh, uh the needs there. Also continue to pray for Jamie Christman as she had her uh, foot surgery this week, uh, today, and just pray for her. Um, would ask that you pray for our country in this time that we're, uh, pray for our president and the leadership and uh, those that would make uh, the right decisions for our country. God would give wisdom. Someone else, a prayer request tonight? All right. All right. Yes. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Pray for the salvation of Aaron Cody and uh, family there, uh, the wife and children, and also for her ex-husband, uh, David, as well. And uh, all, right. all right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity to come to your house to worship and to praise you, Lord, just to... Uh, lift our petitions to you, knowing that if we ask according to your will, you hear our prayers. And Lord, uh, Lord, tonight we lift up these petitions, Lord, asking for your will and asking for uh, you to uh, be with uh, Brother Kirk and Miss Hutchison, Lord, as they are um, just going through some uh, some trials right now. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, give them comfort and peace during these things. Lord, I ask that you would um, meet the needs financially and physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case may, uh, whatever they need. Lord, I pray that you just be with them. Also for Jamie, uh, be with her and Brother Doug as uh, uh, she's recovering. Lord, I pray that you would meet their needs as well. Lord, I do ask on behalf of our country, Lord, as uh, it seems that uh, there's wickedness all around. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would... Uh, she would do uh, do something, Lord. There's, uh, Lord, that not only for the wickedness, but Lord, for what's coming at our country right now, Lord. I pray that you would give our president and those that are in leadership wisdom, that godly wisdom, Lord, that they would look to you uh, for their uh, for the wisdom, not to their own knowledge or to their own efforts, but Lord, they look to you. Lord, I ask that you would be with our military men and women that are fighting for our freedoms. And Lord, I pray that you would just protect them. Lord, I do ask for, uh, most importantly, uh, for the souls of men. Lord, we ask for Aaron and Cody and the family there, uh, for uh, um, David and uh, the salvation that's needed there. Lord, there's each one of us, I'm sure, have uh, souls on our hearts, family members, friends, and uh, Lord, I ask that you would just, uh, Lord, that you would work in their lives, Lord, that uh, we would see the souls of man saved, uh, Lord, not for uh, to put another notch in our belt, but Lord, that we uh, would just see fruit uh, from uh, the labor, and, and God, I ask that you would direct in our lives. Lord, you do, again, thank you for all that you do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you so much for being here tonight. How's Brother Greg? It's good to have Miss Suzanne, Brother Greg, back. Is he feeling any better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Continue to remember Brother Greg as well. Okay. Continue to remember Brother Greg as well. All right. I think that's all. Uh, you are dismissed.